So I shared with you guys uh, a few weeks ago that when I went on vacation, I got to spend some time with my mother and father-in-law. And while I was there, I experienced something that I'd never experienced. This is the truth in all my life. It can pretty much be summed up in three words. Lawn mower envy. This is the lawnmower that my father-in-law has. This is the greatest lawnmower in the history of mowing lawns. Let me tell you why. Number one, it's super light. I mean, this thing is, I mean, it doesn't even feel like you're pushing anything. Plus, this one that I was using mulches the grass. So not only does it not feel like I'm doing anything, but I don't have to rake afterwards, right? So, so far, so good. But here's my favorite part. You can see at the top here, you see that green button? That's how you start the mower. You just hit it. None of that grabbing the rope and yanking and like, you know, dislocating your shoulder to get it. No, just hit the button and it begins. And then the cool part too to this lawnmower is it doesn't use gas. No gas. It's battery operated. And this thing hums and it purrs, and it actually makes mowing the grass fun. My father-in-law mowed his yard, and then I took it over, and I mowed the neighbor's backyard. I got permission first. And um, we could have mowed, like, the whole neighborhood, except for for one thing. Uh, The battery only lasts 45 minutes. So you got to do your lawn in 45 minutes, and then when you—because at the end of 45 minutes— um, you got to take the battery and recharge it for 40 minutes, and then you can go back and do it for 45 minutes. And what's neat, though, is on this lawnmower, I don't think we can see it, um, it has an LED light, and so when it's green, that way you know that the lawnmower has plenty of juice and you're good to go. When it's red, that's a warning sign. It's almost time to take your battery out. And then when it's blinking red, it's, okay, yeah, stop now. Take the battery out recharge it, and then you can go back uh, to mow in the yard. So I was thinking of this uh, lawnmower this past week because we have been talking about being still and knowing God. I mean, you came in here on the 4th of July. If you were here, you got sunglasses to remind you. You've had this porch up here to remind you that we need to be still, to know God, to rest in Him. But there's a problem. And the problem is, is unlike this lawnmower, we don't have LED lights anywhere on our body telling us when we're running out of juice, right? So we don't know when we're low spiritually. We don't know when we need to recharge because we're running out of gas. Instead, what usually happens is we run out of gas and then bad things happen. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at Jesus because Jesus had this down. Jesus had a rhythm in the way he lived his life where he would engage and then he'd withdraw and he would recharge. And then he would engage, withdraw, and recharge. And if we're going to be followers of Christ and if we're going to be the men and women that God has created us to be, we need to learn this rhythm. Now, we know this is true because of Luke chapter 5, uh, verses 15 and 16, up on the screen here. This is about Jesus. It says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came to hear him 
and to be healed of their sicknesses. But here's the key line. But Jesus often withdrew to, to-, to lonely places and he prayed. Now, this is important because we know that, and Jesus knows that the clock is ticking. He's only got three years of ministry. So he's got a lot of teaching. He's got a lot of healing to do. And yet, he would stop regularly, go off by himself, and pray. And that's because he understood that he couldn't keep engaging over and over again. He had to engage, withdraw, recharge. He had to get that down. And folks, we've got to do it too. Now, there are three areas in life, I think, where this really is important. And we're going to look at how Jesus dealt with these three areas. And then I'm going to ask you some questions. And we're going to kind of check ourselves out here. But let's do the first one. Jesus was great at helping people because he was able to engage, withdraw, and recharge. What I want you to do is turn to Luke chapter 5 again. And this time, look at verse 17. We just read verse 16 where it tells us that Jesus has gone off to be with his father. And now this is what goes on in verse 17, right after that. So Jesus is recharged. Then it says, one day, Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now what I want you guys to do is let's, I want you to use your imagination just a little bit and let's kind of pretend that this is the house. Okay, so Jesus is in this house and it's packed, wall-to-wall people. It's so crowded you can't get in the door. Now, Jesus is up front and he's teaching the people, right? Now, imagine you're in the crowd and all of a sudden you see these like little dust particles coming down. You know what I'm talking about? And you look up to the ceiling and you see some more. And then all of a sudden, you kind of hear this noise, and then a tile disappears, and you see this eyeball, right, looking through the tile. And then another tile comes off, and another, and another. And before you know it, there's a big hole in the ceiling. And then a body (laughs) gets lowered down right in front of Jesus. Now, you're in the crowd. What are you thinking? Are you frustrated? Are you thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I got here early to get a seat. And this person, they're cutting in front of me. I need healing too. How come this person gets to cut a hole in the roof and get in front of me to Jesus? Now, let's think about what Jesus was thinking. Because here he is teaching, right? He's in the middle of teaching a packed house. It's sold out. And I'm going to guess that once the hole started in the ceiling, nobody was paying attention to Jesus, right? In fact, Jesus probably stopped teaching to look up at the hole and see what was going on too. So he is being interrupted in a big way. Have you ever been interrupted in your life by people that needed you? 
Did it frustrate you? Did it put you out? Did it anger you? How does Jesus respond? Well, we know, verse 20. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Did you see what just happened here? Jesus wasn't frustrated. He wasn't angry. He wasn't put out because he got interrupted. He saw this man. He saw his friends. And he loved them. And instead of being negative, he was positive. He pointed out their faith. He forgave this man's sins. And later on, he heals this man. How does Jesus do that? How does he help people even when it seems like an inconvenience? Because he's got a rhythm of life. Engage, withdraw, recharge. Engage, withdraw, recharge. So when he has to, he's ready to help people because he's filled up with his heavenly father. He's filled up with the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to a second illustration. Because it's not just helping people, but also facing struggles. Facing struggles. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46 is where I want you to look now. Jesus has just finished engaging with the disciples in the Last Supper. And now he's going to withdraw and recharge because he's about to face one of the biggest struggles of his life. Luke 22, beginning with verse 39, this is what we read. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him, and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. What was Jesus preparing himself for? Well, he was about to be arrested. He was about to be judged and tried unfairly. He was about to be beaten and whipped and crucified. Now, we're talking about Jesus here, right? So we know that he has the strength and the ability just to kind of flick those Roman soldiers away. I mean, he could draw down lightning, he could do whatever. He didn't need to allow himself to be taken. But it's what his heavenly father wanted him to do. And folks, when you face struggles, you want to respond the way that God wants us to respond. And the only way you can do that is if you're recharged, engaged, withdraw and recharge. Now there's one more area that Jesus had down and it was in resisting temptation. Matthew chapter 4 tells us about the three different times that Jesus is tempted by Satan. But verse 1 and verse 2 is where I want you to, I really want to focus here. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Folks, how did Jesus prepare? By withdrawing and fasting, which meant he didn't eat. Instead, he focused on God and he prayed for 40 days. And then he was tempted 
three separate times. And each time he defeated that temptation. How? Because he was recharged. In fact, Jesus never sinned. How did he do it? Because he knew how to engage, withdraw, and recharge. Now, let's take that and let's focus that now on ourselves. Let me ask you this question. How is your lawnmower working? You know what I'm saying. Are you charged up or are you out of juice? Well, how do you know? I mean, we don't have the gauge on our body. How do we, how do we know if we need to recharge with God? Well, let me ask you these three questions. Here's the first one. Are you sick of people? Now, think about that one for a moment. Because maybe there are some people in your life that you're like, no, I'm good, I'm good. Are you good with everybody? Or um, have you been losing your patience lately? Maybe you're tired of the people that uh, wait on you in the grocery store. Uh, maybe you're getting impatient with the people that are driving around you. You don't think they're driving very well and you're losing your, your patience with them. Maybe it is somebody in your family or somebody you work with. If you find yourself not liking people, if you find yourself not wanting to help people, instead, if you find yourself being irritated by people who need help, that's a good sign that maybe you need to withdraw and you need to get down with God and you need to recharge with him. Let me ask you the second question. Are life's troubles overwhelming you? And what I mean by that is we all go through struggles, right? I mean, that's just how life is. But how are you dealing with them? When something difficult comes along, how do you respond? And let me tell you, this is, this is my biggest area of weakness. This is where I stink the most. Because when I go through a difficult time, sometimes I get angry. And I get frustrated. And then I take it out on the people I love the most. I take it out on my daughters or I take it out on my wife. And it's not very pretty. And I, and I know that it's wrong. And it's a good sign for me to go, whoops, I need to withdraw. I need to go spend some time with God. I need to recharge. I need to repent. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to go out and apologize. And I need to change the way I deal with struggles. I need to face difficulties the way God wants me to. But I only can do that if I'm spending time recharging with God. And here's the last question, and then this is a big one. How are you doing with temptation? Are you giving in to temptation? You know, this group called Discipleship Journal uh, did a study, and they researched, and they asked some questions, and they found out from this survey that the survey respondents noted that temptations were more potent when they had neglected their time with God. Temptations were more potent when they neglected their time with God. Resisting temptation was accomplished by prayer, by avoiding compromising situations, by Bible study, and by being accountable. How are you doing with temptation? Now, let me ask you this question. Actually, you're probably thinking maybe, okay, well, all right, engage, I get that. Withdraw, okay, well, what does recharge look like? How, do, how does that look? Well, I'll give you one example. 
A young man, many years ago, wrote down on a sheet of paper how he wanted to live. And he wrote down how he wanted to spend five minutes every day in prayer, at least five minutes, and read four chapters of the Bible every day. And he wanted to just commit himself to Christ. And that's how he lived his life. That man's name, you might not have heard of him, is William Booth. But if you don't know him, you do know the Salvation Army, and that's what he started. Now, I don't know where you are on this whole thing, but let's go back to the lawnmower for a second. I was thinking about the lawnmower, and I was thinking, what if, what if, and I know this isn't realistic, but what if we engaged for 45 minutes? So we went out and we lived our lives for 45 minutes, and then we withdrew, and for the next 40 minutes, we just spent that time with God. And then we would engage and withdraw. Now you're probably saying, Pastor Chris, I've got school, I've got work, I don't have time to do all of that. All right, okay. Well, how about this? How much different would your life be if every day you spent 40 minutes with God? Maybe not all at once. Maybe it was spread out a little bit. But, you know, you spent maybe 10 minutes in prayer. And then maybe you spent 20 minutes reading the Bible. And then you spent 10 more minutes maybe listening to Caleb and just really focusing um, on God. What if you spent 40 minutes every day just alone with God recharging? How would that affect your life? Would it change the way you treated other people? Would it change the way that you dealed with difficult things? Would it change the way you faced temptation? I think it would. In fact, I know it would. So I want to encourage us, encourage me, encourage all of you to leave today and make that be something to shoot for. Make that be your goal. This is our summer of still. And we live in a crazy world. There's so much stuff just going on around us. There's so many people that need our help. God wants us to help them, but we can't help them if we're not recharged. We can't help them if they irritate us. God wants us to respond to difficulties in the way he wants us to respond. But if we don't get recharged, we don't handle it the right way. And folks, we all know that God doesn't want us to sin. But I'm telling you right now, if you're skipping out in your time with God, you're going to sin. It's not going to be pretty. So engage, withdraw, and recharge.